And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to Seeing Red. Hey, boys and girls. Welcome to Scene Red. I'm David K. Montoya. All right, kids. I am back after a nice little hiatus. The kids are away. Uh, They're actually in Vegas right now. But I'm here today with a very special guest. He has been a friend, what, about two years now. He is, I guess for the better better term, the pod brother. I I really like that term. Uh, He is... The producer, director, um, actor. I've seen him act. What else am I forgetting? <laughs> I have no idea, but let's forget it. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, the term way. pod brother too. That's awesome. Yes, the pod brother. All the yes. way from the great white north, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, let me introduce to you Rob Bellamy. Welcome, sir. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. This is awesome. It's, you know, uh, I, I've enjoyed our conversations ever since we've started getting in contact. And that was, like you said, way back when. It doesn't really fulfill that long, but from, because, let's see, Jaselmon, well, obviously Jaselmon started before Jaisel Modcast, and Jaisel Modcast started in November 2012. So mm-hmm. you guys came in in 2013, yeah? It was episode 10, right? It was episode 10, and we're just posting episode 100 today. Holy shit, man. Yes, I know. It's kind of freaky. But yeah, but like I said, it doesn't feel that long. It doesn't. You know? It goes by way too fast. Now, I, I know I, I was saying we were going to start with CKX, and we'll start with that in just a minute. But since we we brought up the, the whole podcasting thing, um, kind of give us an insight. You know, how did the movie Madhouse start? <laughs> that's the movie i'm trying to send you right now uh jason my other pod brother uh he wrote a little script it's a 10 minute short that he did called uh the movie madhouse hollywood birth of a podcast and it's how our show came to be you know and the the short itself is like eight and a half minutes and then at the very end it cuts to a black screen and it says this is how it happened for real and it shows us sitting at a couch and it's mike going hey want to do a podcast about movies I went, sure. And Jay goes, can I get in on it? It's like, sure, why not? And that's exactly how it started. We were filming uh, Dark Betrayals. And Mike came up to me because we were just starting Each Destiny, which isn't listed there because it hasn't been made yet. We were just starting production on that. And Mike comes up to me and he goes, you know what? A podcast would be pretty cool to, to do, you know, help promote our product and get our names out there. And I'm like, that's awesome. What's a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I was all for it. And uh, he goes, well, it's, it's this radio show on the internet. You know, you can say what you want, talk about what you want. People download it and listen to it. And it goes everywhere. It's like, you know, that sounds kind of fun. Cause he had done a couple um, before that about a, I'm probably very much understating this, but about a, a beer drinking group. 
Okay, and I understate it because they did the old style mead and ale and things like that. Right, right. And they would podcast about it. Oh, this has got malt. Oh, this is grainy. This is, you know, I only heard a couple of them. But that's when he said uh, it would be perfect for this because you can talk to the actors. You talk to people and, and get reactions and input and people love listening to it. And it's like, okay, sure, let's give it a whirl. So if you listen to the first couple episodes, that's kind of what we did. It was just Mike and I, and we talked to some of the actors from Heart's Journey because that's when it switched right then and there. Right. And uh, got them on, got them chit-chatting, and their family started to listen, and our numbers grew a little bit then. But in all honesty, it wasn't until number 10 when this fine gentleman named David Montoya got a hold of us and said, yes, you must come and be part of our family. And we jumped right in and we it's been awesome ever since. Well, you know, I'm going to be truthful here, and that's it. I, I've listened to all 100 episodes. And at the time, we were restructuring the Jazo Modcast because we had – and it's funny because you had brought this up too, is we did have a movie podcast, um, but unfortunately – it just didn't work out with him. We, we, we tried, you know, I'm a very lenient person, but it just didn't work out. And, um, I was talking to our executive producer and I told her, I said, we need to fill this spot because at the time I was hell bent on producing at least six days a week of content. You know, we needed to build our name. And so I went through Twitter and I'm like, okay, movie podcast. And the first five I listened to were just, really bad, really bad. And so by the time I got to the sixth one, which was called the movie Madhouse, I was just like, I was hopeless. I was like, okay, (laughs) that's us. We're hopeless. So, (laughs) so I, I, uh, you know, downloaded it, push play. And I don't know what it was about you guys, but you got, you had, I know what it was. You had me laughing. And that's, that was the big thing is, I was like, okay, these guys are it. We we need these guys. And I, I normally I back then I would discuss everything through with the, the executive producer, but I didn't even discuss it. I was like, I, I emailed. Well, not even, I didn't even email. I, I uh, sent a tweet to Mike, and I was like, mm-hmm. I want you guys on this, you know, on the network. And he's like, mm, Crazy American, okay. <laughs> I remember him showing me that tweet because we're both looking around and goes, is this someone joking us? What's going on? <laughs> it's like, they can't be serious about our podcast. And but that, Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just say, I, I know what you mean about the laughing because we're all about having fun. You know, everything we do is about having fun. So I'm glad to see it comes across. Oh, absolutely. As a, as a listener and as a fan, and I, I've said this multiple times, that I am a legitimate fan of the movie Madhouse um, to the point where I've, like I said, I've listened to every single episode you guys have, have put out there. I'm actually behind on like Smodcast episodes, but I have not missed your guys's. That's what oh, kind wow. of fan I am. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> but, See, uh, that's... <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say to that. Thank you, Dave. That means a lot. Well, it's it's fun. It's informative. And like you said, you guys are having fun, and it does translate over. You can tell that you guys are the closest of friends, and you guys are kind of on the same wave, wavelength as you know the content that you guys talk about. And it, it 
you know, for me, it's it's very fun. In fact, I'm. Well, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say I, I'm, you know, throttling at the bit to to listen to the CKX, you know, episode. Oh, I'm anxious for it to drop too because I want to re-listen because it was a blast doing it. Like to sit there and talk with Tyler Maine, it was very surreal. But even he, like when, when you listen to it, you're gonna see he's. He's so open and because he talks a lot about filming Compound Fracture. Mm-hmm. And, and Derek Mears, the one guy that's in it, is his buddy, like his best, one of his best friends. And as he puts it in the podcast, they live within staggering distance of each other because they're drinking buddies. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, he says we've, we've tested that theory over and over again. And yes, we are within staggering distance. You know, He's very open and just personable. So it was a blast being able to talk with him for as long as we did. Now, so yeah, I can't wait for it to drop too. So being from episode one to episode 100, what is the big thing, the big change that you've seen in the podcast? Holy crap. Well, I think our first episode was half an hour, if I remember correctly, because we were trying to you know, yeah, it was feel like- things out. Half hour is good. Not to mention that episode and the next six that followed. Uh-huh. We were using a table mic that was a USB hookup, but it wasn't turned on. So for the first, yeah, for the first six episodes, we're actually using the microphone from Mike's laptop to pick up the sound. And we didn't realize it until I think it was episode four when we started listening back to it because we had the microphone in one spot. We had the laptop in another. And we had about six people around because we interviewed a lot of the cast of uh, Heart's Journey at that point. And people that were sitting right next to the mic, we could hardly hear. It's like, what the heck is going on here? So that's when we realized the mic wasn't even on ever. It was a showpiece. <laughs> so it was at that point that we, we broke into my DJ equipment and started setting up microphones. And then, then we got the Behringers and made it a little bit better. So there's huge jumps in the show since that one now who who is the one that is it you or is it mike that kind of lays out the the topics of the day or is it just kind of off the off the wing you know what we did at one point i think we had about 10 shows where the three of us sat down and said okay what do we want to talk about and we plotted out okay this week's about this this week's about this and and we did it. It worked great. And then we got to the end and it was like, um, okay, what do you want to do this week? Well, you know what? I've got this going on. So boom, that's what we talked about. And then we saw something two weeks from now, there's this show going on. Okay, let's talk about that. And it went totally freestyle again. And it's kind of been like that ever since. The only one we've been planning for was 100 because that one's been in the works now since November. Oh, has it been that so- long? Yeah, uh, we we started working on CKX mm, maybe beginning of September, we decided, because I guess I'm going to dig into a bit of CKX history, but last March, not two, two months ago, but a year, two months ago, right. we had a small little convention. It was called CK Cosplay, but we did it as a C-A-U-S-E, like, because it was for charity, it was for a cause. Right. And we just had cosplay and gaming. And it was at the Legion here in Chatham. It was like a a small little wedding hall type thing, you know. And we hoped for 100 people. 
we got 180 people that day. Like the capacity was 190. We were just shy. Wow. So we kind of went, wow, that worked really, really well. So, and actually now I'm thinking it was a little bit sooner than September. It was probably uh, beginning of August. We were planning, okay, what hall do we want to get this time? And Chris goes, you know what? Let's just throw all our chips on the table. Let's do a big blowout. Let's see what we can do. And he got the biggest building in our city, the John D. Bradley Convention Center, 25,000 square feet. And it's like, oh, God, you're going to kill us. <laughs> How the heck are we going to fill this? Like, we got tables and a cosplay stage, and we have, like, 23,000 feet left over, you know? So, but it's like, okay, well, you know, cons happen all over the place. Why can't we do it here? And uh, that's when we started really thinking about CKX. And it was at that point, actually, it was about a month after, so about September, Mike got looking at the numbers and goes, you know what? If things work out right, we, I think we had to do two special episodes because we would have been at 98. So we did two special episodes so that 100 happened on the day of CKX. That was really good planning, by the way. Yeah, that's all, Mike. That's, <laughs> I cannot accept credit for that. So tell me – well, not only – well, first I should say because I don't know – if, well, obviously, you probably don't listen to our reversions of what we we put out for the movie Madhouse. But um, since you guys did that uh, commercial for CKX, you know, the, um, I went in, pulled the audio from it, readjusted it, and it's actually been playing in front of every podcast that we've been putting out. On the I've network. heard it at the beginning of yours. Yes, they've they've all. <laughs> they, it's well, yeah. Since what March, February, March, whenever I, I uh, sent you that audio file, it's been there. So our listeners are familiar with CKX, but um, kind of tell them a little bit more about what it is. I know I should have probably done this before the event, but you know, bah. no, because tr <laughs> trust me, number two is already in the works. We're already planning. CKX stands for Chatham Ken Expo, and um. I guess I should go back one step further with this with CK cosplay. Okay. Um, my girlfriend and company partner, uh, Christina, myself, and then Chris Bullard, who owns a comic store here at Game Masters Emporium, we got together and decided we wanted to do something like this. Um, Christina really wanted to do cosplay because she loves sewing and costumes and everything. And when her and I were talking about it, it's, you know what, this would make a great combo with this other events like games and things like that. So we got together with Chris pounded our heads together and came up with CK cosplay. We did our little event. We decided this is going to be awesome. So August we decided CKX was going to happen. So CK cosplay presents CKX. Okay. Gotcha. This way we can do other events. Like we, we just did a, a run for charity as well. Uh, it was called, uh, I survived the point five. Now the fun part of that. Is because, you know, you go to the game stores and you look at the people. They're not the most athletic. <laughs> okay? They're not. I'm the same way. You know, take four steps or take the car, I'm taking the car. Uh, so we decided we were going to have one of these runs. But instead of the 5K, we have the .5. So it's 500 meters. Now, I'm not sure what that translates into feet. But it's not far. <laughs> it's not far at all. <laughs> I, I would say it's probably probably like a quarter of a block. Yeah. Distance. 
Exactly. Uh, well, no, it would probably be half a block because I know where the couch was. And yes, we did have a couch. Where the couch was, <laughs> was the halfway point. <laughs> that was Chris's idea, which is beautiful. At the 250 meter mark, we had a couch. He sat there with Timbits and Pop and said, anybody want to rest? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and people loved it. So we're actually planning another one. But CK Cosplay likes to do all this stuff and it's all for charity. The very, very first one was for the Lung Association. This one's for Big Brothers, Big Sisters. I'm not sure what the next run is going to be for, but it will definitely be for a good good cause. I know that. So we got together and decided that CKX had to happen. So we we piled as much into it as we could. There's games like board games, card games. There is a company here which is phenomenal, and I'm surprised it hasn't been done before. It's called Goes. G-O-E-S, Game On Entertainment Services. Okay. And what they what they do is they have TVs and systems, like the original Nintendo, uh, the GameCube, the Neo Geo, like all these systems. And they will come, they set up the TVs, they set up the systems, and you go in there and you can play any of these things. And even at CKX, they had a Smash Brothers tournament. You know? <clears throat> so we... It was awesome. They had that in there. They had uh, the cosplay going on, of course. They had, for the first time, celebrities. Like, we had some comic book artists there. We had Tyler Maine and Eugene Clark. Uh, Tyler was phenomenal coming in for that. And uh, I honestly believe him agreeing to help us is what really cemented the fact in everybody's minds that this was really going to happen. Are you going to bring him back next year? You know, and I would love to in a heartbeat, but I don't think he or the people would get the same thing out of it uh, because it's it, the, the fun part of going to these conventions is to meet new people, right. to see new people, right? Like Eugene Clark, I think we talked about it just before we were we started recording how he got himself onto the show. Yeah, we talked right? for about a good hour and 30 minutes before we started recording. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally forgot we were supposed to be recording. Um he talked himself into CKX and the people loved him. Like they were just lined up at his table to meet him, to talk to him, to get pictures. I want to have him back in the worst possible way. I don't think he would get the same reception next year as he did this year. That makes sense though. It, only because yes, people have met him. They've seen him. They've dated his picture. Right. You know, I would love to, to, to stagger it and maybe two years have him back. That kind of thing. But trust me, I would love to have them both back in a heartbeat because they were both amazing. Now, how did you get Tyler Maine? Where was the – where? how did that all begin? That was Chris Bullard. He uh, – we were talking about it and I had actually gotten a hold of a couple agencies about getting talent to come out. And I've now learned through the circuit that 90% of these um, appearances are done straight through the actors. You don't go through the agencies. And I now understand why, because it took me almost four months just to get a quote on one person. Wow. Yeah. And it was like killing us. And so just on a whim, uh, I think he was watching the movie one night, but the next day he came in and thought, eh. so he looked up Tyler Maine, got an email address for Maine Entertainment and sent off an email. And then Tyler Maine emailed back and said, yeah, I would love to take part in this. Let's see what we can do to make it happen. And then from that point on, he's been right on board with the whole thing. That's awesome. 
the thing that really impressed me most about both of them is the night before Friday night, we had a mask. We, we called it the unmasquerade ball because it was for a chance to people come out, dress up in test costumes if they wanted things like that, but you didn't have to. Right. So that's why we call it the unmasquerade. It didn't sell as well as we hoped. Like there was only 50 some tickets sold, but both Tyler Maine and Eugene Clark were there. They showed up, so people are dancing, and you kind of look over, and there's Tyler Maine standing there. And so, and he was taking pictures with the people, you know, chatting the whole bit. The band that we had, Toast and Jam, they, they're very local, but they're incredible. And he was over on stage, like videotaping some of their shows, like the songs that they did. Really? Because they played certain songs that he liked. Yeah. So, because I saw him, I was actually talking to him at one point, and uh, the song came on. I think it was a Garth Brooks song. But the song came on. He's like, oh, wait a second. And he wandered over, took out his his phone, hit record, and he's standing there recording them, playing it. Then he comes back and talks some more. Like, the people were allowed to get very up close and personal with these guys. Now, that you wasn't know? that wasn't a scheduled thing, though. They just kind of showed up, right? Exactly. Um, it was the night before, but they had come in earlier that day. You know, so they said, can we show up? And it's like, well, yeah, we're not going to say no. Yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. It's not for you. Don't you dare. So, but uh, that's the kind of thing we hope to have, you know, where it's very interactive. So, what, and it was amazing. What was the turnout for CKX? Well, first, see, and that blew my mind. I was going to say, before Go ahead. you say the number, tell them what you're expecting to what you actually got, because I know the answer. This is for the people. Yes, we were hoping uh, upon hopes and dreams and wishes to have five to six hundred people. Or sorry, we wanted five hundred. We were hoping six to seven hundred. Okay, that was our dream goal. When everything was said and done, we just capped out just a touch over fifteen hundred people. Jeez, that's still so. Yeah, it blows my mind because Chatham itself is is kind of large, but. I don't know that many people in this city that would come to this, but I would swear 80% of them were local. We did have some people from the outside cities, London, Sarnia, Chatham come in. A couple from Toronto actually came. So it, it just blew my mind. What do you think? How, what was it? Uh, I'm trying to think of the the best way to frame this or phrase this rather. I'm still having issues talking. Um <laughs> <laughs> What do you think was the key point to bring in all those people? How do you think they found out? Uh, honestly, I think it had a huge part to do with Facebook. Yeah, I was never a big Facebook person. Like I would go on there, check it out. I think I played uh, Angry Birds every once in a while. But everybody was commenting on it, talking on it the whole bit. They made a page up. And it got so many hits that Chris decided, you know what, we need a web page. So we made up a CK Expo web page. Uh, what was it? CKEXPO.ca. It's it's a website just for the expo. Right. And that suddenly just started getting more and more and it was being shared everywhere. And I think honestly, like I said, I, I draw it all back to Tyler. Once Tyler was attached to this, it became legitimate, it became real. And people would see that, and that's when they'd start sharing with their friends, going, "Oh, you got to check this out." Right. But it, it 
it baffles me that all these people in London and Windsor and Sarnia and all the areas around here came to us to see it. But yet I talked to my buddy who lives just outside of the city and says, were you at CKX? And he goes, what's that? Really? Like, Are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I guess obviously you're not reading your Facebook, dude. <laughs> I love the name. I, I should throw that out there too. I, I absolutely, it's just got such a good ring to it. CKX. It's it's very now. Who came up with the name CKX? In all honesty, it was Mike. Was it? And but, yep, we were sitting there at the planning meeting, and uh, we were just calling it the expo or the con or something like that. And Mike and I were over in the corner of the table, and we were, you know, first off, we were on Facebook showing each other stupid pictures, <laughs> and we weren't really paying attention to the meeting. But then he turns around and he starts scribbling and he swings it around and he shows me and he had a couple different acronyms like that. He had CGX and CKX. And the one he really liked was CGX because he thought it was Comics and Games Expo. Right? Ah, okay. But everybody seemed to jump on to CKX because CK is Chatham Kent and Anything with X seems to be popular. Look at X-Men, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but CKX had a ring to it. So he showed everybody, and it's like, well, that's perfect. So we jumped on CKX. Like I said, uh, Chris went out and got the domain name for the website. And since then, it's stuck. Like even the shirt. I, can you see my shirt? I can see it, yes. There, ckexpo.ca. And it's got our mascot. The Maple Marauder, he's called. Is that basically that is? Okay. Yeah, I know. It kind of looks a little Grootish, doesn't I, it? I thought it was Groot, to be honest with you. Yeah. it's And even the artist, he goes, it's a combination of Groot and Swamp Thing. Oh, okay. Right? He's a Maple Tree wrestler hero, because wrestling is big in this area, too. The artist that actually designed him, Dan Hammond, was at CKX. So oh, he was there, It was kind of cool. Yeah, he was right there, and... The other fun thing for the run that we did, we gave out medals, and he took this drawing and simplified it, and we put mapes right on the the medal itself. Oh, right on. Yeah. Now, so I, he was loving it. I have to say that you guys have inspired me. I was telling my wife, I was like, you know, after the CKX thing, I was like, what do you think about like Jaisal Moncon? She's like, don't even think about <laughs> it. <laughs> oh man. You think you got stressed now? You wait. <laughs> For the last three months, I swear to God, I haven't slept more than four hours at night, and it's it's not a it's not solely because I have so much to do, but it's solely a lot because of the adrenaline, right? Be, because I am so keyed up over it, you know, and getting things done and all that. Saturday night, I went to bed, and it was the first time forever that the alarm actually woke me up. And I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I was just, I was lost. But yeah, it, it's fun though, man. I got to tell you, don't tell her I told you this because if you start doing it, she'll blame me. <laughs> but it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, no, I, I, I just kind of threw it out there, but I, I, I don't think I'm even near ready for anything like that. I, that's, that's your guys' world and, and uh, I'll support and help anyway. But I, I think as far as me doing it, nah. Nah. Let me finish yeah. my movie first. See, there you go. That's a good idea. Because I'm also thinking, you know, it didn't happen this year. We didn't get you up here. But next year, 
I'm thinking Jaiselmon Podcasting Network may have a table up here. That would be cool because that, we get you up here. We are working on a a version 2.0. Um, <clears throat> I won't I won't make it too much, but there has been some podcasts that have kind of fallen to wayside, and 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 things have are on the mins, and we're looking at even bringing in somebody new to kind of run the show while I'm away working on the movie. But we're looking at completely revamping the network. Nice. So, and that was, that was kind of the idea is when you first invited me to the, the CKX is, you know, I was telling my sister and we were planning, all three of us were planning to go. We were going to do a live show there. I know when you told me that it's like, Oh man, seeing red right here, that would have been so sweet. We would have had to tame it down for the audience though. Yeah. Oh, wait till you hear the podcast. You wouldn't have had to tame nothing. <laughs> when we were over in that area of the woods, um, we even had to change the name of our film room because our production company, JX3 sponsored it. Uh-huh. We decided to call it the JX3 feral theater. Because other than our own movie, A Heart's Journey, everything else was very mature. Oh, really? Yes. It was uh, about abduction, zombies. Uh, there's one about two boys or two brothers going on a killing spree across North Carolina. It, yeah, it's not kid-friendly. Oh, so that end was very adult. So you wouldn't have had to tame much down. Okay. Well, that and you have, and I've been trying to get my hands on a copy of um, Fear. And, uh, you know, there's quite a bit of nudity in Fear. So, yeah, that's, yes. that's true. Did you get to see it? No, I've still yet to get my hands on I've, I, I can't get it. I just, I've tried everywhere. Let me, I'm going to send an email to Steve. I'll see if I can't get you a link. Okay. Yeah, him and I actually just became friends. Uh, yeah. Last week. Yeah. Oh, he's a great guy. He has been so helpful, especially the, getting us to show his film and everything. He's been amazing. And um, yeah, I, I've talked to him very briefly. He seems like a very cool cat. Yeah, actually, yeah, because he's in your neck of the woods. He's down there in California, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, he's right in L.A. <clears throat> and I've been... I've spent way too much time in the LA Long Beach area in the last, since November or so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt at all. Um, so since we're talking about movies, tell us a little bit about what, what you've worked on. I know, you know, you, you've got Heart's Journey in the bag and you premiered that at the CKX. Um, and then tell us what else you're working on. Well, actually we are just going to start pre-production. I had originally put out uh, a script called Stones, and it's about a home invasion with with a few twists. But we wanted to get that done to premiere it at CKX. Right. And we started in January with pre-production, and we had everything set up except all the table reads kept falling through. And it's like, oh, you know, if the table threes are falling through, I'm pretty sure shooting's going to fall through once in a while. So we decided to, to K-Bosh it for CKX and just put it on the back burner. But now that CKX is done, we want to start first week in June. We're going to start into the pre-production, getting locations and everything set up so we can actually film that. And uh, it's probably going to be just under an hour long. How many so days do you have set aside for it? 
I'm sorry? How many days is the shoot? We have four set aside, but it's such a small cast and in a small area. I anticipate us being able to film fairly quickly. Right on. But I have a fifth day set up just in case. Right? And it's all in, it all takes place in one house. Like, in all honesty, I was letting a friend of mine read it, and they, they're here with uh, Theater Kent. They do films and, or sorry, they do plays and things like that. Okay. He is actually contemplating turning it into a stage production. I could see that. I've actually, I've read, uh, what have, I read the first couple drafts of it, and, and before it was even called Stones. Yeah, it was just Home Invasion. Yes. Um, I, I have, did I give you the latest one? You just sent it to me before we started. No, no, that's actually the other one we have on the go. Oh, is that something? That's the horror movie. Oh, yeah. So no, I haven't. I haven't received the. Okay, I'll shoot you the the latest one for Stones, but the the other one that I just sent you, it's it's a horror movie that we are going to start getting into pre production during Stones and hopefully film next year. And um, it's about a couple that's well, it started as a short. It had some campers out in the woods. One of the guy goes off. It's got the Hollywood classic stuff, right? The guy goes off in the woods to get wood and doesn't come back. So they go to try and find him. They find this burnt down building area that is where this legend started of the two Russians that used to make people into pies like Sweeney Todd, you know, and the gypsy woman freaked out and cursed them. And now they are supposed to live forever in that area. So they're looking around, they find a basement, they go down, and this Russian couple attacks them. But unlike your classic horror, they end up killing the Russian couple. Oh. Yes. <laughs> and when the, what happens is when the, the Russian couple, when they kill the one guy, the person that killed him actually becomes the Russian. Like He takes over his body. Oh. They, can't, they can't kill each other and they can't die. But when someone kills that, then the body takes their spirit takes over the body. So they realize this. He grabs the other girl, throws it at the wife. The wife gets killed, and then they walk out. And they said we're free. And that was the end of the short story. But everybody that I let read it goes, no, 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 no. You gotta finish this. And I, th- I thought it was, <laughs> you know. So we ended up putting together a script around it. So. My initial thought was to have that short at the beginning and then the, the rest of the movie afterwards. Uh-huh. But what I, what I did is end up breaking the, the short story into six parts. So the movie starts with the main characters of the movie. And at certain points, you get the flashbacks of the camping trip and the basement. And so you're discovering what these people are able to do as you're watching the movie. That's cool. The guy I was sitting beside at work, I was I kept talking to him. I, I bounced so many ideas off him. I got to give him a co-creator for this. He uh, he was the one that came up with one of the scenes where at the very beginning of the movie, the, the guy from the camping trip that is now the Russian goes after this girl. And a policeman steps in the way and ends up shooting him. So the, now the Russian is the cop. He The cop confronts the girl, tells her exactly what's going on. You know, all these people dying, I'm doing it. And he goes, and I'm going to follow you around, and eventually I'm going to kill you too. 
And I mean, here's going, are you crazy? I know what you look like. You know, I'm just, just minute you walk away, I'm reporting you. You're an officer. He goes, no problem. And he puts his phone on the table, says, give me two minutes and you can call him on this phone. She goes, uh, okay. He goes, gets up, starts walking away. goes, just give me two minutes. Okay. So she, he goes outside. She picks up her phone, starts to dial, looks up. He jumps in front of a car, right? Just boom, huge, huge accident. So she runs out and there's the cop dead on the ground, right? And then she, she's contemplating, wonder what's going on. The phone rings and she answers it. He goes, okay, now remember. You know what I can do. I am going to be following you. Oh, shit. And hangs up. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what? I need that in my film. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that, that is what basically started the movie part of the script. How long did it that's take what you I mean. to write it? I got to give him a co-creator. I got to. <laughs> that's, yes, that's, yeah. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> I like, can see it perfectly like in my head, too. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I shot you the script. Wait till you read it and tell me what you think there. Oh, definitely will. Because but uh, that didn't take me long to write at all. Honestly, once once that idea was in place, everything else kind of fell into place. And OK, I may have used my position to abuse my power a little bit because the movie Madhouse makes an appearance in that script. <laughs> and uh, I actually get to kill Mike. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Now I got to read it. Uh, yeah. yeah. You're going to find the I, oh, I've rewritten his death scene twice. So you may only have the first one. If you do, I'll shoot you the second one. I okay. kill him a couple different ways. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of pent up aggression there, huh, Rob? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, and see, I, I got to jump in about the movie Madhouse real quick. That's yeah. the one thing about the show that I love. Because, yeah, the three of us are the best of friends. I know on the podcast, I tend to ride Jay pretty hard, you know. Okay, I did it at home once, too. I was out getting supper for us, and I was at Wendy's. And uh, standing in line, I looked down at the kids' section because they got that box that shows all the kids' toys. Right, right. And it, it was so weird because all the toys were about Annie, the musical. And uh, I'm thinking, yeah, Jay really liked that movie, I think. So <laughs> I bought him the lyric book <laughs> that had the picture of the little girl on the front. <laughs> and I, of course, snapped the picture. Look, Jay, I got you something. And he said, I'm too tired to swear at you. But other than that, <laughs> other than that, we are the best of friends outside the, the pod. The pod, we do it just because it's so much fun. Oh, you, you know? can tell. You can and, tell. Yeah, and even he knows it. He loves being that being that part of the movie Madhouse. You know, it's, it's it's just so much awesome fun being together with those guys. The it really is. You can tell it's just it translates so well. You know, as you know, an outsider looking in, it it does. It translates so well, and you can tell it's all in fun. Oh, good <laughs> to a point. Good, yeah. <laughs> he deserves it sometimes because you know I'm perfect right (laughs) i can't even say that with a straight face (laughs) but as always dave you have carte blanche on movie matters anytime you want on you let us know we'll make it happen thank you yeah it's been you are uh, what three weeks now since that episode went up and i had such a blast well you are the fourth member of the movie matters trust me there's the four of us if you were closer we'd have you on every day if I was closer, I would be. I, I'd definitely yeah. be at the table with you guys. 
But see, that's why Skype is such an awesome thing. Yeah, you know, and it's it's something because I actually I downloaded it for a meeting that I had, and then that was the first time I used it, put it away, and then used it again when I you know was on with you guys. And then from that point on, it seems like instead of doing FaceTime on Apple, I've just been using Skype. Mm-hmm. It's I I didn't realize how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, and almost every single one of our interviews that we've done has been through Skype. Uh, Gavin Michael Booth, he's from Canada, but he was in L.A. at the time when we Skype interviewed him. And it was perfect. It was like we were sitting in the room talking. That reminds me, uh, you were doing, I know this really doesn't go much with the show. This is more of a fan question. Uh, I'm trying to remember who you were interviewing. Um, It was last episode. You were interviewing somebody. and. (laughs) man. Mandy Del Rio. Yes. Yes. Um, is she coming back? Are you going to be able to? Absolutely. I, if I remember correctly, she's supposed to be coming back this week. Oh, okay. I got to double check my emails. But yeah, oh, we were joking about that big time. I swear to God, Jack had something to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> I still swear that. He was giggling in the corner somewhere. Because Cause it was just the two of them that's ever happened to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because every, everybody that you bring on, I, I always take notes and that's, <clears throat> I don't know if you intend it to be that way, but the questions that you ask each of your, your guests, you know, your, your professional guests, um, you know, they, they bring out some type of knowledge and I'm always taking notes. So I was sitting there, I had my, my notepad, my pen, and I got my headphones on, I'm listening and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. You know, let me, let me learn something. And then boop gone i'm like what the hell <laughs> yep well, that's what we were doing too it's like <laughs> wait a minute she was just there and i could see it still said connected and even her little picture had the little green light like everything was good but for some reason her laptop the internet connection went out completely mm. but yeah did uh, did we ever post what what happened yeah yeah that's the last ep or 99 was okay was that episode. Okay, so we did talk about what actually happened then. Um, no, because after you lost connection, you guys just kind of went on with the show. Okay. Yeah, that's what it was. Her computer, for some reason, the interconnection... English, yeah, see, there we go. The internet connection in her computer just went nuts. It just dropped completely. And she kept trying to to reestablish connection. It wouldn't do it. So she ran over to Jack's computer. But his is more of a personal one, Uh and it didn't have Skype on it. Uh, Or no, it didn't have Skype. Yeah, it didn't have Skype. So she kept emailing us. We were emailing back and forth during that podcast. And she was telling us what was going on. So that's why I said, don't worry about it. We will reschedule because we definitely want you on the show. Yeah, I I enjoy... Now, do you guys – because it's usually you that is doing the interviews. Do you have like a, a pre-planned format for the interviews or do you just kind of hit with what you come up with? And honestly, no. And actually, I didn't realize it was like that until Saturday. We were sitting there with Tyler after the podcast and he looked over at Mike because he and Mike had been talking before. He goes, you're pretty quiet during these things. And Mike goes, well, no, no, Rob does the research, so he usually runs the questions, and if we have something, we we ask. 
and that's when it kind of dawned on me that, yeah, I guess I do kind of do the questioning. It's, it wasn't by plan or anything. It's just, I guess that's how it worked. Usually what I do is I hit IMDb and sometimes Wikipedia as well as their personal websites just to find interesting little things that, that either I didn't know or I don't think is very common knowledge and try and hit on them. Right. Like when uh, I was talking with uh, Eugene Clark when we did the Shockstock one. I was trying to find out about his singing career and his football career and because that's not prominent. Like I had no idea he was a singer. Right? And that he was on the Toronto Argonauts for two years. Like that's interesting. So I, I wanted to try and hit on those kind of things. But once I again I had to have the tablet, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and what I do is my tablet has this funky little thing where you can pull the pen out. Right. And just write. So I would get on these websites and I would just jot down points, you know, football, singer, blah, 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 blah. And then actually, you know what? I might be able to pull one up here. What kind of tablet is it? Uh, it is a Samsung Galaxy 8, I think it is. Isn't it a phone? It, well, no, I think the only thing missing off this thing is a phone. Is the phone feature. Yes, it's got everything else. Here we go. Here's my notes. When we went to Shockstock, I interviewed Edward Neal from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh-huh. Right? I did not realize because I recognized him when I got there, but it wasn't until I started doing research. He was in JFK. Really? And uh, he was one of the people, when they're talking to Julianne Mercer, he's one of the interrogators in that scene. And so I approached him about that, and we got an awesome story out of it. I. I said, you were in JFK, right? Oh, yeah, but you want to know the real reason I was hired for that? Why? Oh, you see, Oliver Stone hired me so that he could get me on set so we could talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> said, Are you serious? He goes, yes, because the first day I was on set, how did you do that shot? How did this happen? You know, And that's all he talked to him about while he was on set. But he was, uh, he was also in the Power Rangers. He's a voice actor beyond belief. I had no idea on that. Uh, he did Dr. Claw while we were there really? from uh, Inspector Gadget. Yeah. I didn't know that. And he was in a, he was in a movie that to my knowledge has not seen the light of day yet called Halloween Harvest of Souls. Now an IMDB, it's got a date in 1985, but I have not seen it anywhere. can't find it. And it was written by John Carpenter. I was going to say, is it a, a connection to the Halloween franchise? That's what I'm thinking. Like, that's all I could find. And it's got really nothing in IMDb about it. So when I asked him about it, he goes, you know what? That was so long ago, I couldn't even begin to tell you. But it's like, I had the guy there. I had to ask, right? Right. But that's the kind of stuff I like to dig up when, I, when uh, we have a guest on. And I find Jay does the same kind of thing. He pulls things right out of left field. Like even me researching, uh -huh. he pulls stuff I still did. I never saw. So yeah. we, we're very well-rounded as a group. I was going to say you compliment each other very well. Well, I never compliment Jay. <laughs> That's just not going to happen. <laughs> no, yeah. We, we each have our own little strengths, and it just it makes it work so good. It does. Um, so tell me, because... And I'm going to go a little bit kind of nerd here. I'm just kind of going off track real fast. 
because the other day uh, I finished a book, and um, I know that you're a a very strong Star Wars fan. <laughs> Is that would that be appropriate in terms? Yeah, I've seen I've seen the movies once or twice. Okay, <laughs> and um, I got my hands on this book. It was uh, it was a birthday present. Um, it was called Dark Plagueis. And oh yes. You said that you had read it, and I, I was just curious to find out uh, what did you think. And we're we're gonna get a little bit geeky. We'll probably geek out until the rest of the show. So just to be forewarned. Oh man, that's one of my favorite books out of all. Like that was my collecting. I used to collect the Star Wars novels until they destroyed them. I have every novel released by them. That was my collection. So reading all those books. Darth Plagueis is definitely in the top five only because you get such in-depth information on the emperor. You know, you, you can see exactly how scheming he is, how much of the plan that he unfolds was actually his and how much he stole. Yes. You know, it's, it's unreal. And it's awesome because that book actually takes place during Phantom Menace. It's parts of it are happening as that movie happens, which I just found fascinating. They kept everything so tight. And, but of course that doesn't matter. It just never happened. Mm-hmm. Well, from what I'm getting, <laughs> it's um, anything before the Darth Bane series is legend, but Darth Bane forward is actually still canon from what I understand. Oh, you mean like the early, early stuff? Yeah. Okay. And so Darth Plagueis still wouldn't be canon. No, actually it would because the Darth Bane series runs before the Darth Plagueis series. So that is canon. Oh, no. Darth Bane is a thousand years before Star Wars. Hold on just real fast. You can keep talking. Yeah. I'm just going to grab something real fast. Make sure I'll I entertain him for you. Don't you worry. All right. Uh, make sure I don't trip over <laughs> any boxes here. Okay. Uh, But yeah, Darth Darth Plagueis, that book, as you're reading it, you discover exactly how much Palpatine took from his Sith Lord, like from the the master that he had. It's – I know he gives the story in Revenge of the Sith, the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise, and you get to actually see Darth Plagueis in your mind's eye, of course, because it's a book. But you get to see Darth Plagueis and see what he had envisioned and what Palpatine does in, as every Sith Lord must do eventually, destroying the Master to take over. And it is amazing how conniving the movies don't do justice to that character. I'm really stalling for time here, Dave. This is interesting. They don't do him care. They don't do him justice, though. Uh, Palpatine himself, it just it just scratches the surface in the movies. That's all. I really I like think, that character. I think that. I entertained him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I grabbed it on the second box I tried, so I'm, oh, I'm good actually job. really happy with this. Yes. That's the one. Yes, Darth Bane. And let's see if there's a timeline for you here. Yeah, if, I'm pretty sure it's between the 2,000 and the 1,000 years before Star Wars, right at the top. Uh, let's see. 
Oh, it is. Okay, so the it, yeah, it's yeah. ten ten thirty two before New Hope. Okay, to a thousand. I knew it was up there. But, but that series, man. Oh wow, the Bane series is even better. Let's see, Darth Plagueis. Actually, I'll geek out just a bit here too. Okay. You want to know my favorite novel? I think is out of the entire series that I've read. Which one? Which one? Red Harvest. It is written. Oh, and I wish I could remember the guy's name. See, my books are all packed away now. I got mad and packed them away, so I don't have them out. But it's called Red Harvest. It's up in that time period with Darth Bane, and because this takes place at place at a Sith Academy. Actually, according to this, Dark, Harv- Dark Harvest uh, happens 2,600 and some change before Darth Bane. It's called Dark Harvest in there? Did I say dark? I meant red. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. No, I just want to make sure I had the title right too. Yeah, Red Harvest. That is written by a horror author. Okay? Right. It's the second one that they did. The first one was called Death Troopers, which was good. But... Red Harvest, you you have such visual pictures in this book. It's just amazing. There is one whole scene where the guy's up in the tower doing his his weird alchemy work, uh-huh. and there's a jet a Jedi has come to the Sith training school trying to find this thing. Okay, so he's creeping around in the grounds. Well, this thing falls out of the tower. It's about fifty feet in the air, right? hits the ground, he sees the body, and it's just broken all up and all that. And so the Jedi's talking to himself and looks over, and it starts to get up. And it's describing how the arm's hanging, the head's just partially on, and it starts coming after him. It's like, oh, wow, this is awesome. (laughs) I so want to see it turned into a film. I do. If you get a chance to read it, Dave, that's the next one you got to read. Okay, yeah, because I've got the... Because I'm I'm learning more about this, and because they were talking about you know the Darth Bane rule of two, and that pretty much the mm. modern Sith comes from his teachings. I was like, okay, I gotta I gotta learn about this guy. So yep, you have just the one book because I think there's three in the series. I I've got the other two in the box. Oh, very good. Yeah, you learn a lot about Bane, and even at the end of the third one, it's nice because it leaves it open. Oh, really? You know, yeah. Open in a good way because, you know, you like to have that questioning thing going on. But, yeah, obviously you want the stories wrapped up. Right. But, yeah, I haven't I haven't had an opportunity to read. Since I have it out, I might as well start reading it. <laughs> because I, I read. You got it. I read uh, the Darth Plagueis one probably. Probably I want to say three days, but more likely like two to two and a half days. I just, I got into it. And then when they laid out the master plan, I was sucked in. I was just like, I finished reading it. I looked it up. It was five o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh shit. I I just read this whole thing. (laughs) See, I did the same thing too. I came home from work and I grabbed the book. That's what I did over the, I think I read it in three days. I'd come home from work, grab the book, I'd hop into bed and I'd be reading. And I think I had two chapters left and I read it and it's, you know, still wired from the book. And it's like, okay, I should go to sleep. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah, no, (laughs) It's not going to happen at all. No, very good book. Very good book. 
it's it's been a while since I've actually read a book that like pulled me down the rabbit hole like that book did. And it does just because, like I said, it that one especially people that have only seen the movies can can relate to that book so well. Just because it hits on so many points from the movies, and it makes it, it makes Phantom Menace understandable. Exactly, you know, if you don't like Phantom Menace because you can't figure out the plot for most of it, read this book. Yes, it. See, uh, and people had the same problem with Revenge of the Sith because the last half hour seems to just jump, 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 jump. But if you read the book. It explains exactly why Yoda suddenly stopped fighting, you know, because that was a huge contention point I heard from people. Yoda just seemed to give up. But in the book, it explains why he did that, you know, and it, it, it's just disheartening that it wasn't in the film. Now, is it Revenge of the Sith book or is it something totally different? No, Revenge of the Sith book. Oh, no. Now I'm going to have to find it. Yep. Damn and you, Rob. Actually- <laughs> I didn't do it. It's not my fault. Um, there's actually two books that, that uh, bookend it too. Jedi Trials and then The Rise of Darth Vader. One comes before, like right before. Uh-huh. The book ends with them getting into the ships to go after Palpatine. And then Rise of Darth Vader takes place right after, after he's just gotten in the armor. Really? And those... Those flesh things out big time. Like they explain how Palpatine was captured, and it also explains Vader in this new suit, which doesn't work right to begin with until he starts modifying it. Interesting. So, oh, very cool. Uh, what was I going to say? It was um, if only if George Lucas would have took the Gungans, you know, the way that they were described through the book. I think they. That uh, Jar Jar might have been a little bit more tolerable. <laughs> I think so too. Like to me, I liked Phantom Menace. I know a lot of people don't like it, and they don't like Jar Jar. They hate Jar Jar. I can appreciate why the character's there. I do think it goes a little overboard sometimes. You know, it was his first film back after Return of the Jedi, and I don't know how many years. And he's trying to get that family-friendly feel again. Right. So put the character in the kids will love and make him funny. and Yeah. But he needed him because Jar Jar is the reason for the Clone Wars. You know, like he's, he's crucial. Yes. So you can't get rid of him. <laughs> but I think the way that they handled it in the book, I, I just, I enjoyed it more. I, I <clears throat> Again, I, I haven't read a book that I recommend this highly in a long, long time. It is a good one. And I, I swear, once you read the uh, the Red Harvest, you're going to say the same thing about that book. Okay, yeah, because I'm, uh, I've am i got some downtime with the movie. Um, we're probably not going to start shooting again until June just because of everything going on, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got some time to read. So See, kick do. back, relax. Exactly. Kick back, relax, and enjoy. That and uh, zombie movies. I know it's a, it's a weird combo, but that's that's where I'm at right now. Star Wars books and zombie movies. And that's why Red Harvest is awesome, because it's both. That's it, it, it. Honestly, the book reminds me of Resident Evil. Really? 
Yep, because that's what this this Sith Lord is doing up in this tower. He gets this plant that's 100% basically force energy. And he's trying to make himself immortal. So he gets this plant. He does these weird concoction things. And, of course, he brings up one of his little acolyte buddies. And here, try this. And it kills him. But then it automatically brings him back to life as this beast. So he kicks kicks him out the window. And that's when the Jedi finds him. (laughs) That's cool. Well, it is. I'm going to have to. I'm actually, I don't know if you can see. I'm actually peeking off camera here i'm trying to search it on amazon <laughs> oh are you <laughs> uh, i was wondering i saw you keep leaning over i just realized one of my actresses just called me i'm just trying to find oh okay she sent a text it was one of the women in the heart's journey oh okay i had emailed her about three weeks ago about coming to the the showing but she never got back to me i think she just read the email now <laughs> and went oh cool it's shown can i get a copy of course. So We're good. With, uh, so are you going to send out DVDs? What are you, I don't know because like I said, we, we did have like an hour and a half discussion before we started recording. Um, so I'm not sure if it made it into the actual recording, you know, what you were talking about with distribution. Um, you want, yeah. you want to cover that? Yeah. I don't remember if we recorded that or not. Um, right now we have no distributor, like no distribution plans yet we i want to finalize it like to me that was a rough cut that we showed because i didn't have a chance to do any color correction luckily it's not that bad but also sound is killing me i hate sound editing with a passion just hate it hate it hate it are you gonna go back in and do like adr i don't know if that's possible for some of it but it, it, see, I would love it if I could. But unfortunately, right now I'm just using the footage that I have to tr- or the the sound that I have to try and make it better. Right, right. If I can get to a point where I'm comfortable with most of it, then I would love to get these guys and say, okay, let's re-record this. You know, I know I'm already doing that for the end. The end has a a voiceover, and when we had Corey read for it originally, we had an idea of what we wanted said. So he read it, you know, did it a couple times, different intonations. And so when it came to it, I was piecing it together. I ended up switching some things around to streamline it, make it a little shorter. And one of the spots, I actually had to cut a sentence in half. So you hear him kind of have that upward swing at the end of the sentence. And it sounds really weird when another sentence starts right after it. So I think we're going to have Corey back in just to nail down exactly what we want said and then have him reread it right over while we're watching it. So it'll fit better. That makes sense. Yeah. But as of now, like I said, no distribution ideas. We are tossing around a couple. And once we, I say we, but once I'm happy with it, <laughs> which will probably be never, uh, once we're happy with it, then we'll start talking to people. And because uh, I do know the one place we do want to approach is Netflix just because it's simple. It's nice. It's quick. You know, actually, I was thinking Hulu. I was I was going to throw Hulu at you. And I would love to do that. I get no reference of Hulu because we can't see it. Oh, you don't get Hulu? in Canada. We do not get Hulu. 
Ah, see, Hulu's more independent-based movies. They have, like, all the TV shows, you know, like yeah. ABC, NBC. But when it comes to movies, it's it's 99% of it is independent movies. I'm going to find contact information for them then because, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. That's kind of where I was going the Netflix way, mm-hmm. but it does sound like they're more oriented towards it. Uh, yeah, I just tried to pull it up, and it's, nope, not in your region. Oh, that sucks because I watch a lot of Hulu. Well, see, and it is the same thing with Netflix here as well. There is an American and a Canadian Netflix. There are certain programs that are on American that are not on Canadian. That's and I, I understand it. You know, it's it's the distribution and where you're allowed to show certain films. Right. You know, Sons of Anarchy is not on the Canadian Netflix, and that's because the deal with Netflix is for U.S. distribution only. Uh. So. I get that. I get that. It's just super annoying when you're trying to find certain things. That's the kicker. When you do the search, like I was looking up – crap, I can't even think of the name now. I was looking up a title of a movie. It wasn't there, but it said other people that watched this title also watched this. So I know it's in their library. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and It's like, come on. But I, under, I do get it. I understand it. Um, here's one more question for you. I've been meaning to ask you this personally, but I just keep forgetting. How long have you been making movies, roughly? About three years. Uh, Dark Betrayals was the first one. I got in on a on a lucky little whim. The company JX3 was originally founded by Christina and a woman named Corinne. And Corinne was a friend of mine. We used to do Cub Leaders together, Cub Scouts. Okay. And so they were doing in the early pre-production of this, and she's going, you know what? We need zombies, or not zombies, vampires. Would you want to come and be a vampire? And it's like, I don't look like a vampire, but you know what? I'll give you a hand. Why not? So I started going to some of the production meetings. I, I didn't end up doing the vampire thing. I decided to do a cameo. I just, I'm a bouncer in that movie, right? And that was my original plan in all the JX3 pictures to do a cameo didn't work out that way with heart's journey but uh i was gonna say aren't, once you're not i in it? yeah in heart's journey yeah 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 i'm the dad ah I, i'm in it a lot oh okay <laughs> and, so, no, uh, so no cameo no um when the script was originally written and again that's we we started talking about each destiny when uh when ckx first started we were doing or when the podcast first started sorry we were in pre-production for each destiny. This was a script written by Christina that she wanted to put out. We had done casting. We had everything set up. And this is the reason when the podcast started, it was each destiny. But by episode 10, it was a heart's journey. Is because I think it was two episodes into the podcast, the main actor ditched. He, he left. And the main actor in that movie had to be able to sing, dance, play guitar, and there was something else. And we could not cast that fast for that role. Uh. So it was it's like, okay, we're going to squash it for now. But we still had this cast, and they were like awesome people to work with. So it's like, okay, you know what? Give me, give me two weeks, and I will put something together. So I started fleshing out ideas the whole bit because the one main character, Nicole, is a dancer in, like, in reality. She's a phenomenal dancer. 
So that's how this whole um, person who loses her loved one and starts to come back through dance, that's how that started. It's like, okay, so I got Nicole and then Jody plays the mom and I got her in there and Corey's in there as the brother. Like everybody from the cast of each destiny uh-huh. is in that movie. I don't, I don't think we had to add anybody. And the script came together. Jody is actually went over it a whole bunch with me and added a bunch of stuff. One of my most favorite lines from that movie is not mine. Really? And <laughs> yes. Um, he's trying to comfort jo- uh Jacob is trying to comfort his daughter and she's so upset because, you know, her boyfriend's dead. She just doesn't want to deal with it the whole bit. And she's like, Oh, well, thank you for understanding. And he's like, Oh, you know, I love you pumpkin. And he's getting this tears in his eyes. And she goes, are are you crying? He goes, no, 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 no. It's just, it's just hot in here. My eyes are sweating. And I I love that line, but that that's a hundred percent Jody. That's not me. That's So once we got that all mashed together, then uh, we started filming and it was great to a certain point. But honestly, three years since beginning to now, and uh, it, I'm now part of the company. I, I bought into it and uh, we're getting ready to shoot two more. Now, what was it that – what made you – I'm trying to think of, of the right way to say this – at what point did you think, okay, I want to do this? In all honesty, in 1977 when I saw Star Wars. Really? Yes. Way back then. Uh, I love movies. And I even got the old you know, video cameras out and was doing little stuff at home. I ended up, when I hit 20-ish, I moved to London and started doing that with my friends. We made so many little skits and shorts and all that. And it was weird. I'm doing a documentary right now on spiritual healing and they keep talking about the proper path that you should be on. I asked her too, is it possible to jump off path even though you're not supposed to? Because my mom had a fiance who was huge into music, right? Even did stuff at a radio station in Quebec. And that kind of steered me down that whole path for music where I started DJing and I, I DJ clubs. I, I DJed in a strip club for seven years. <laughs> All right. Enough of that. But <laughs> it wasn't until three years ago when I got involved with each – or not each destiny, the Dark Betrayals, that that movie-making thing came back with a passion. And I realized because I had been out of DJing for about two or three years because I burnt myself out. Hmm. And it's like, no, this is, this is what I love. This is what I want to do. And so I jumped in with both feet and I said, okay, here, I'm a cameo, but I also did some production stuff on it. And then when we started with each destiny, the same thing I was in casting, doing the whole bit there. And even there's a movie, I don't think it's ever going to see the light of day called wilderness adventure that, uh, it's again through JX three, but it's also through another company because Christina and Corinne ended up splitting. Corinne wanted to do her own stuff. So that's when I bought into JX3. Okay. So now it's Christina and I, and Corinne has a different company. She's the one trying to put it out right now. But unfortunately, when she directed it, she was very fast and wanted to get stuff done. Mm. And it's a kid's movie about being out in the woods, like with a cub group kind of thing, a scouting group. And they're in the middle of nowhere, though. But yet the place where we filmed it was right next to a highway. Uh, so all the audio, all you can hear is 
<laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, that, that won't fly. People are going to know you're not alone in the woods. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, so we've been super busy doing all this stuff and it's been something I've wanted to do since forever. Do you think, because I've been told this hundreds of times is that the biggest, oh, sorry, my cat just, Oh, hello kitty. <laughs> Um, you know, the biggest obstacle is the first step. Do you, would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause I hummed and hawed so much about doing that vampire role and then even doing the bouncer role, you know, but, but once I did that and then I got into the production stuff, it was like, Oh man, give me more. I was like a little crack kid. I was just like, yeah, <laughs> I'll tie off my arm. Just shove it in. I just, <laughs> it was awesome. And I'm still to that point now where I can't wait to get into pre-production of Stones. Now, are you going to direct Stones? Yes. Stones, Stones is actually going to be the first thing I'm actually going to officially direct. And I, like I said, that's got me so keyed up. I'm so anxious because I've learned so much from the other three. Um, it also helped that I've now I, – I took a course through Santa Fe University and it was an awesome course. I, I, I've been talking with the, the director about it. It's an awesome course, but it's very vague mm. in because it talks on so many subjects. It's hard to focus on one. That's what it is. But I learned so much from it. And even just from the previous productions, there's not a lot of closeness in it. In A Heart's Journey, if you watch, there's not a lot of close-ups. And that's because when Christina directed it, she's more of a stage person. Uh huh. So she's used to the big picture, you know? Right. And I can see now, especially in Stones, where I'm going to be right in people's faces, you know, getting the reaction in the eyes, getting the reaction in the mouth. It's going to be a completely different style. So I can't wait to get started. And that starts when again? Uh, we start pre production in June. Right. And on. then hopefully film in July. And then you're you're going to be editing this this little picture uh, that's taking place here in California. Here, I've heard of this movie. Yes, I, I'm. I'm. <laughs> I gotta be honest. I am so excited and scared to death in the same breath because I do not want to mess this up for you at all. You know, but I am so excited to help you with this. It's uh, Rob was one of the first people I I went to when we're like, okay, we're going to make this a real thing. And, you know, instantly I, I thought of you and I knew of, you know, you going to school for editing and I was like, well, you know, okay, I, that's perfect. So you've, you've actually been like one of the first people attached to this project, even though now it's just like insane and this person wants to be attached, you know, but they want to do $10,000 for four hours and, you know, crazy stuff like that but that's nuts oh yeah <laughs> that's that's nuts oh I, I told him i said you do realize what the operating budget is right <laughs> it's more than any budget i've ever worked with <laughs> um in fact hulk hogan he he read the script and i'm a huge wrestling well let me back up i'm a huge uh between like 80 or Beginning 80s to mid-90s, maybe even late 90s. I'm a, I'm a wrestling fan. Love wrestling. 
Hulk Hogan was one of my my heroes as a kid growing up. So to to find out that he read the script and he wanted to be a part of it, and he was like, I'll work with the budget, brother, you know. I was like, I would really love to work with Hulk Hogan, but you're stereocasting. You can't be anybody other than Hulk Hogan, and it just wouldn't work. Now, I, go ahead. could you put him in, but with prosthetics, like a Johnny Depp's been doing lately? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I wouldn't even know where to put him, to be honest with you. Well, yeah, there is that. But I'm just wondering, because, yeah, his face, once you see his face, it's like, boom, oh, that's Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean there. And uh, I'm a big guy, and he, he's one of those type of people that make me feel small. <laughs> <laughs> he's huge. Oh, I understand that feeling, especially after the weekend with Tyler. I understand that feeling. <laughs> Yep. Well, Tyler, how, he's like six eight, isn't he? Yep. Yeah, he's a big guy. Yeah, and I'm not. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. I'm not. <laughs> but uh, the reason I bring up the the mongers thing though is is that I just wanted to kind of indicate that you've been there since the beginning. You know, beginning of inception, and and you know, regardless of who comes, who goes, you know, the people that believed in the idea from the beginning are there. Very. And I will be there till the end. Absolutely. All right. I, I know where my fear comes from is the fact that this isn't one of my projects. If it's my project and I'm editing, oh, well, things happen. This is your project. And if I screw up, that's not my project. It's your project I'm screwing up. So that's where the fear comes from. No, you'll, I, <clears throat> I say this a lot when it comes to you, Mike and Jason, and it's just, it's true, is I believe in you. So, you know, obviously if I didn't believe in you, I wouldn't have asked you. So I know you'll do a good job. Oh, yeah. The best I have will definitely be there for you. That and if, if we get the uh, the funding that, you know, I told you about off, uh, you know, off air. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to hook you up with some good editing program, you know, because we have, uh, he's a co-editor, but he's also my cinematographer. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know he he put up some stills and, and I remember you had mess- messaged me about you know what he was shooting in or not shooting yeah. in, but you know what he was editing with so we'll we'll hook you up. No, oh, yeah, dude, I will do with my absolute best for you, absolutely. All right, my friend. Well, thank you for stopping by, and for this week, I am David K Montoya. I am Rob Bellamy, and if you're not familiar with the movie Madhouse then you might be seeing red. See you next time, kids. Welcome to Seeing Red. of her own.
Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt, or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jaselmon.com. 